Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, we're officially live. So today's topic is one that is uh, near and dear to my heart, which is mailing for off-market deals. Um, I've been mailing for off-market deals now for 15 years. One of my most tried and true marketing methods It's a marketing method that, for better or worse, I'm pretty well known for in my own local market. Um, we have been you know, hitting the same homeowners over and over again, again, for 10, 15 years. So I've got a lot to kind of say about it. To kind of go back in time, like I said, I started mailing all the way back in, in 2007, 2008. Um, I basically started mailing right out of the gate. Um, I'm, a, I'm a shy person. I'm not, you know, super assertive. I'm a smart person, but I'm, I'm a hardworking person. But I'm not a super prospector. If I was going to be successful and I was going to get off-market deals, that I really needed to step up to the plate and I needed to spend money. And one theme that I always talk about when I talk to anybody who's considering getting off-market deals is really just the, the simple fact that you all have to make a decision. In order to get an off-market deal, you're either going to need to spend time or money. There's no other way to do it. You're either going to have to put blood, sweat, and tears into door knocking or cold calling or networking, or you're going to have to put money into things like mailers or pay-per-click or Facebook ads or TV or radio or what billboards or whatever. But you know, you're going to have to make a choice. And today we're talking about the choice that I made early on in my career, which was to spend money on mailers. So there are a lot, like when, when it comes to marketing for off-market deals, there are a lot of different ways to, to get off-market deals. But I want to talk really quick, like, why do we need off-market deals? And I know that, every, you know, everybody has an idea in their head about, like, why they need an off-market deal. But I just want to really cover it really quick because it's really so important. If you don't understand this concept, then the effort, time, and money that goes into getting off-market deals is going to seem like it's not worth it for you. When we're talking about getting off-market deals, I look at it like when you get an off-market deal, there's two things you can do with an off-market deal. Number one, you could quick turn it, meaning wholesale it, flip it, assign it, or you could hold it. And off-market deals are really important for both things. I'm going to explain to you why. They're critical. They're essential for both things. If you want to fix and flip a deal, if you want to assign a deal, in today's market, now I know as I'm sitting here doing this training, the market's shifting a little bit, but we still have no inventory. And I don't think we're going to have any inventory anytime soon. There are too many variables that are keeping people in their homes um, even the rate increases are going to keep people in their homes. They're going to keep people in those 3% rates. So you need off-market deals because if you're going to fix and flip a house, you need to make margin. Or if you're going to assign a deal, you need to get it for a price where someone's going to be willing to pay you for the contract. 
And in pretty much every market across the United States right now, you really just can't do that by buying a property on the multiple listing service. So if you're going to do quick turn deals, if you're going to fix and flip or you're going to assign, you need a mechanism to get in somebody's living room and make them an offer and buy their house for less than what you could pay on the multiple listing service. Now, someone might say, well, yeah, but I don't need that in order to do buy and hold. And while that could be true, kind of, it ends up being a much more difficult. Let me explain to you why. So most people who want to do buy and hold have a goal that they want to earn enough passive income so that they don't have to do their active daily activities, work a full-time job, be a full-time realtor, whatever. You want to have freedom. You need flexibility. You want to earn a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars a year passively on a passive income portfolio. In order to do that, you need to buy a lot of assets. In order to buy a lot of assets, you typically need a lot of money. However, if you're able to buy the properties at a discount, you can use the Burr strategy. So, for example, I'm in Boston. And if you were able to get an off-market property in Boston that might sell on the MLS for a million dollars, let's say that you did a mailer and you got the property under contract for $800,000, you could buy that property. You only need one down payment. You could put a little bit of money into that property. You could renovate it. You could rent it. And then you could refinance it out and pull your money out. Now, that strategy, that Burr strategy works really, really, really well when you buy a property discounted because you've got a bunch of equity at the end to be able to pull out the equity. Now, if you bought that property on the MLS, especially in a market like today, that's probably going to be flat to maybe down in 2023. You buy that same three family in Boston that's worth a million today for a million dollars a year from now, that property might be worth 950. So you might get your down payment trapped in that multifamily, as opposed to if you got that deal off market, if you got that deal discounted, you may be able to pull your equity at the end. So I want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of mailing. Every marketing strategy has pros and cons. Um, I don't care what strategy you throw at me. I'll give you the pros. I'll give you the cons. And really, what you all need to be thinking in your head during this entire presentation is, Am I, is mailing going to get me the results I want to hit my goals? And am I willing to commit to this marketing strategy? No marketing strategy has instantaneous results. If it did, we'd all be marketing all the time. Most people give up on marketing because it's not an instant result game. Um, and mailing is no different. So some of the pros of mailing that I really like, the first pro is that you're not spending any of your time, really. I mean, you're just creating a list, you're throwing letters in the mail, and you're getting calls. I mean, it's one of the most time-effective ways to get off-market deals. It's also very targeted. So the great thing about a mailer, as opposed to a Facebook ad, or TV ad, is you know who's going to be calling you. So for example, again, I'm in Boston. 
If you want to buy a three-family in East Boston, which is a, a tiny little subsegment of Boston, and you mail, you can mail every three-family in East Boston. It might be like 3,000 people. You can, hit all, you can hit all of them. And if you get a call from that mailer, guess who's going to be calling? Guess who you're going to be talking to? The owner of a three-family in East Boston. Sounds really simple, right? But let's say like I run TV ads. When I run a TV ad, let's say I want to buy a house in East Boston. I'm very infrequently getting a call from a seller in East Boston because my ad is getting shown all over the state and to multiple people with multiple properties that they own. So mailing is very, very targeted. If you have a very small geographic area you want to hit, you have a very specific type of property that you want to flip, assign, or buy and hold, mailing is very, very targeted. Uh, some of the cons. Biggest con is it's expensive. Now, when I tell people the cost to get a deal for mailers, they usually kind of go into some, some sort of shock. Actually, let me do this. What do you all think that you need to spend in mailers to get one good off-market deal? How much money in mailers do you need to spend in order to get one off-market deal that you're going to be able to either assign, wholesale, fix and flip, or buy and hold and say, wow, that was a great deal. So far in 2022, my number has been $18,000. $18,000 per deal. $18,000 to get a fix and flip where I make $65,000. $18,000 to get a really good buy and hold opportunity, which down the line is going to make me half a million dollars you know, over a long period of time. It costs me right now about $1,000 just to get an appointment, okay? $1,000 to get an appointment. It's taking us 15 to 20 appointments to get a really good off-market deal. I say these numbers not to scare anybody. The last thing I want to do is prevent somebody from mailing or doing some sort of marketing. The reason I say these numbers, and these numbers are very important for me to disclose, is because if you are not willing to have a major commitment to mailing financially, you are likely going to waste your money. Now, you have to think, just because I said it cost me $18,000, it doesn't mean if you spend $18,000, you're going to get a deal. $18,000 just gives you 18 appointments, which is about how many you need to get one really good off-market deal. Doesn't mean that you're going to get a deal. You might get two deals. You might get zero, which is why the second part of why mailing is really tough is because you need to make a commitment over the long haul to spend money on marketing. Meaning that to me, and this is just my opinion, you guys are free to do whatever you want. In my opinion, if you're not going to have a four or $5,000 a month marketing budget for mailers and have it for a year and kind of close your eyes and be like, yeah, I don't care what happens. I'm going to continue on. This may not be the right marketing strategy for you. Scott asked, how many mailers are going out for that 18K? Um, 
don't know, we're at like 60 something cents a mailer. So double that almost maybe like 25, 30,000 mailers. Um, and my numbers are pretty consistent. So my numbers are, are for Boston. Not all of you live in Boston, but I, I am in a networking group where I talk to people all over the country. And at this point, I don't see too many people who have a sub $10,000 cost per acquisition. Boston is a little on the higher side, but Los Angeles is higher. San Fran is higher than that. Um, so Boston's not the most expensive area, but it's up there. So that's the biggest con of mailing. And so when I talk to a lot of people about mailing, they want to have a two, three, four hundred dollar a month marketing budget. And you can have a two or three or four hundred dollar a month marketing budget, but you're not going to give yourself enough of an opportunity to actually get a deal. And that's the problem. So again, I, I said I, I jumped into the segment basically saying you either need to commit to spending time or money. For a lot of people, they want to spend money because it saves them the time, but they're not willing or able to commit the amount of money that you need. So you may have to pick a strategy that's a time strategy. You may have to out of necessity. Nothing wrong with that. So next thing I want to talk about is the type of mailer. And I, I, I don't like the type of mailer discussion. I actually really hate it because the type of mailer is the wrong conversation to be having. It's all about consistency and frequency and total mail pieces and not about the mail piece itself. I spend a lot of time talking to people that want to have these the perfect mail piece and the perfect mail piece doesn't exist. Um, I can tell you what I do and I will tell you what I do. But I will say this, for the most part, if you go to a company like the company that we use, we use a company um, called Open Letter Marketing. If you go to Open Letter Marketing or any company that does this professionally, they're going to be able to give you the templates that work. And they're all going to be similar. They're all going to say something like, hey, have you thought about selling your house? You know, if you want to sell your house. We can help you sell your house in an easy fashion for cash, no realtor commission, no fees, close on your own time. Call this number today to get a free, no obligation quote on your home. They're all going to look almost the same. They're all going to have the same messaging. Some of them will be handwritten. Some of them will be, be more professional, but they're all going to effectively do the same thing. And by the way, if you guys do want to see a copy of the mailers that we send out, um, send me a message on Facebook. Um, you can just go on my Facebook account, send me a message, and I'll send you my mailers. Or you can, I found out about this handy dandy little link thing for all Facebook Messenger requests. So if you do m.me forward slash Tommy Caffarella. That is my Facebook Messenger link. And I found out that's an easy way to kind of tell people m.me forward slash Tommy Caffarella. If you want my mailers, I'll give them to you. 
But I will say that that's not the most relevant part of this. Um, and I wouldn't spend too much time on that. I would, I would go to a mail house and I told you the one that we use, but there's plenty of reputable ones. They're all going to kind of cost about the same. They're all going to kind of do about the same thing. And that's not the magic. The magic is in being consistent. Next thing I want to talk about that is really important is who do you mail? This is important. This is very important. This is the part that you don't want to screw up. You can kind of screw up the mailer. Like as long as the mailer kind of says what you want and it looks professional, like you'll be fine. What you don't want to screw up is the list. So the first thing that you want to think about is the obvious of like, well, what do you want to buy? Like what's your objective? Are you buying to flip? Are you buying to buy and hold? Are there specific towns that you want to attack? Do you want to just go in the towns that produce the most amount of investment deals? Do you want to be in a certain geographic radius of where you live? Um, but then there are the other filters. So the other filters are more like, how do we find motivated sellers? Like what types of sellers can even sell to investors? And I'm going to talk about the most important filters right now. Now, in order to get a list together, you want to go to a company like a company like List Source, L-I-S-T-S-O-U-R-C-E. List Source is going to be able to provide you with a list based on your criteria. And I'm going to talk about the criteria right now. So the first and most important criteria is the person has to have equity in their house. That may sound obvious, but most people don't have enough equity to sell to an investor. So I live in the town of Melrose, Massachusetts. And if I run a list of all homeowners in Melrose, Massachusetts, and I say, hey, I want every seller, every homeowner with at least 50% LTV, I'm going to take a town with 10,000 houses down to like 3,000 houses just with that one filter. Because if somebody has a house that's worth $500,000 and they owe $400,000 and my offer needs to be $375,000, we're dead in the water. Every letter that I send to them is a waste of money. And you'll find almost all across the board in every city and every country across the United States that most people don't have a lot of equity for a lot of different reasons. Um, some people can't afford to pay down their mortgage. Some people have recently refied to do an addition on their house. Some people use their houses and their debt on their houses as places to have other investment properties, right? You might refi your house, pull the money out, put it down on a multifamily. You might pay off student debt. You may pay off credit cards. But most people don't have equity. So you've got to make sure I like at least 50% loan to value. So they've got enough wiggle room there that if their house is worth $500,000 and your offer needs to be four twenty-five, I want them to, to be able to walk away with enough money and say, okay, I know I'm taking a discount, but I still have money left over. Okay, so the second the second thing is length of residence. How long have they lived in the property? And again, this filter is going to knock out a lot of people. 
it's going to knock out a lot of people because a lot of people have bought their house within the last five to 10 years. Somebody who just bought a house in the last two or three years is very unlikely to even be selling, period. Now, if they do sell, they're very unlikely to sell at a discount. So if somebody paid $500,000 for their house in 2018 and you go out to their house and offer them four twenty-five dollars in 2022, that's going to be a very hard seller to convince because all they've heard over the past four years is how much property values have risen. And now you're offering them less than what they paid in 2018. It's not going to make a whole lot of sense. It's the wrong type of seller. So I like to have at least five years of residency. But most of my deals have been more like 10 plus years. Because if you really think about like who is the person that needs to sell cash? Not needs. That's the wrong word. Who's the seller that prefers an easy sale? You have to think about like the demographics. Who is the, the person? The person is typically somebody who's owned their home for a long time. Some deferred maintenance has very little mortgage balance left over. They're older. They don't want the hassle of a traditional sale. They know that taking less is, you know, they're not going to get top dollar, but they want the easy sale. So to piggyback off of that, we rarely buy a house from somebody who's under the age of 40. Very rarely. Because it's not the right stage of life, right? Like right now I'm 40 years old. I'm still in the growth phase of my wealth accumulation. When I'm 60, 65, 70, am I going to think about selling to an investor? I might consider it, right? Because it's probably not the most important thing to me in my life to be accumulating wealth at 70. Just not. And that's who you're looking for. So again, age filter. We talked about um, a specific city or cities. We talked about a mortgage balance. We talked about length of residency. The other filter that I like that I think is important is the age of the property. If you're in an area like... Massachusetts, you're fortunate enough that most of the homes are really old. So, you know, if you run a filter and say, hey, you know, I want to exclude all the homes that were built before, I, I want to exclude all the homes that were built after 1990. In our area, that's not going to exclude a lot of people, but it may in some other areas. Because we want to exclude homes that we know are very, very unlikely to, to have deferred maintenance. So if a house was built in 2016, the odds that it has a lot of deferred maintenance, by definition, are pretty low. So I like to put, I like to say, I want to target houses that were built before 1970. Anything after 1970 where I live in my market is considered newer and is much less likely to have a lot of deferred maintenance. The other filter that I like, and there are a million filters, right? You could put bags, you could put baths, you could put square footage. But I like to have a square footage filter because what I found is that the 
bigger homes for us have always been less profitable. The bigger homes tend to come with a different demographic of buyer, and the bigger homes tend to have a bigger renovation budget that can more likely go above and beyond what we expected. So if we do a 1,400 square foot house, we feel like we can control the budget pretty well. If we do a 4,000 square foot house, going over budget by $30,000, $50,000, wouldn't it be shocking? So those are some of the filters that we use. There are many more filters. And if you go to a company like ListSource, you'll be inundated with the amount of choices that you can have. I gave you guys what I think are the important filters for me. But what are your important filters? It depends on what your goals are. It depends on what exactly you're trying to do. So again, that goes back to your individual goals. And that's something obviously that I don't have the opportunity to answer right now. As of today, I am going to make an announcement on something that we're doing that's going to be pretty cool. And it's a once a week group strategy session that you can all register for right now. So the strategy session is limited to five people. And it's going to be every Wednesday at 10 a.m. starting two weeks from now. So if you're on this call and you're like, well, I get all the stuff that Tom's talking about, but I want to know a little bit more individually what I might do. We're going to jump on a private Zoom call. Like I said, four or five. And we're going to talk individually about your specific situation. Now. In order to register for this, this is free, you have to be willing to at least listen to the inner circle pitch. It'll be like five minutes. I'll explain to you the benefits, the pros, the cons of the inner circle, help you determine whether it might be a good fit for you and for us. Um, But the most part of the actual session will be around what your needs are. And again, it will be a small group session type of thing. In order to register for that, you can register right now. All that you need to do is go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. And the only thing I ask if you book is please do not book until Wednesday the 19th. Wednesday the 19th or after you can book. Um, there are two slots open on the 5th tomorrow and the 12th, but I will not be able to do either of those. So if you schedule that, you will show up on zoom and I will not be there. So please book anytime Wednesday, October 19th or after. Okay. www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. And as a requirement to show up for that session, you have to fill out a goals worksheet that will take you about five minutes after you sign up for the Zoom call. So if you sign up for that Zoom call, again, you'll be in a small group session. We'll cover you know, individual pain points uh, for yourself. We'll figure out how we can help you. I'll talk briefly about the inner circle. Um, again, www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Okay. So we talked about the filters. We talked about using list source. Now I want to talk about the frequency. So 
there is no hard and fast rule about frequency. What I will tell you is when it comes to somebody selling their house, especially at a discount, your mailer is not going to convince them to do anything. All your mailer is going to do is it's going to have you show up in their mind, hopefully at the right place in the right time. So your mailer is not, nobody is going to be sitting at their house, opening up their mail, getting your letter and being like, wow, I could sell my house easy, fast for cash as is. I wasn't even going to sell my house, but this letter is so good that I'm going to call them and probably sell. It's not how it works. How it works is that when people sell their house, they think about it for a while. They talk about it. There's usually more than one person involved, right? Whether it's a kid, a spouse, or even just somebody that's a friend. Like, hey, I'm thinking about selling. Like, I don't know what I should do. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's usually not like a two-day decision. So they've been thinking about it. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll call Johnny, my realtor. Maybe I won't. I don't know. And then all of a sudden, someday that letter comes in the mail. And they go, oh, I've been thinking about doing this. Maybe I should call them and just see like what they can offer. And that's how it works. So in order for you to be able to get that call, you need to be in front of them enough. What does enough mean? To me, enough means every other month. So we mail people on an every other month cadence. because. In my opinion, people tend to not make housing decisions in a quicker fashion than that. Typically from the time that somebody gets the idea in their head, like maybe I'll sell, till when they actually do sell is usually like months. You know, it could be six months, it could be a year. It's usually months. So I know that if I'm in front of them every couple of months, it's likely that at some point when they are ready to do something, that I'll be there ready for them to take that call. Now, does it mean that if you only send a letter once a quarter that you can't get results? No. Does it mean that if you send a letter once a month that it's bad? No. But I'm talking about what's kind of the ideal cadence to be able to get the people who you want to give you an opportunity to sell their house, to buy their house. How frequent? I would go once every couple months. The only way I would go more than once every couple months is if you say, I want this specific property. I need this property, either because of development purposes or it's like a personal thing or whatever. If you want a specific house, I'd probably go every month. You want to make sure there's no chance that somebody doesn't know that you want to buy their house once a month, we'll kind of get it done. The other thing that's important with any marketing, but I want to say it with mailers, is you need to track the results from your mailers. How do you track it? Well, you get a specific phone number for your mailers. You definitely want a phone number like a Google Voice or a hosted number or a call rail number or, man, they have a million different type of forwarding numbers nowadays. Get a forwarding number that forwards to your cell phone so you can track how many calls come from your, your mailers. 
because you want to make sure that you're getting return on your spend, right? Because the worst thing in the world, it's like you have no idea where a lead came from. So you're not sure if mailing's working. Should I cut it? Should I keep doing it? Is it like the best thing in the world or is it failing me? Um, you need to have a tracking number. Somebody said, how would you ad adapt strategy if you could not buy a list to mail? Well, I'm not sure I understand the question. Is the question that you can't afford to mail or you can't afford to buy a list because the list is going to be the least expensive part of the mailing. The mailing might cost you like $18,000 to get a deal, but the list might cost you a few hundred bucks. So my question would be, can you not afford to buy the list or the mailers or what? Somebody asked, you need a separate number for each mailing or maybe same number but different extension. Great question. I've got an opinion on this, but this is going to be controversial because different people are going to say different things. When I first started mailing, I had a different number for each letter. And I kind of went crazy with it. And then over the course of time, I kind of realized that it didn't really matter what mailer. I, I don't believe it matters. Like you, like the, in my opinion, the mailers all fit together. I've I've been mailing some homeowners for fifteen years. Okay. Now, let's say I'm um, let's say that they call me on letter number fifty, and I look and I go, whoa, I just got a call off a of mailer number fifty. This mailer works. Like 49 sucked, 48 sucked, 20 sucked, but 50, this is the one. I don't think that that's true because they probably got the other 49 and the other 49 probably were part of them calling me, but it didn't show up because because they called me on mail or 50. Mailing is a long-term commitment type thing. You're... 20th letter could have gotten the call, but it could have been because of the 14th letter or the other 19 letters that you got. So I would only use one number personally. Um, and people geek out on that stuff. I try to keep stuff simple. And I, I'm a CPA by trade. I'm pretty nerdy, but I try not to get too over analytical on things that I don't think matter. And I think that that's something that falls into that category of it doesn't matter enough to like go crazy about it. Somebody said no list providers in Canada. Ah, oh, man. I don't even know how to answer that because I know there's got to be some solution. But yeah, somebody told me there was an issue with Facebook in Canada too. Some privacy laws. Um, darn. Yeah, I can't help you. I just don't know the answer. I wish I did. Somebody said you're in an they're in an urban area. The advice they got was to mail in a certain neighborhood over and over. What's your view on high-income neighborhoods? Okay, so two-part question there. Um, so mailing a certain area over and over again. Yeah, if it's an area you like, yes, but you do not want to blanket mail places. Because what if you're mailing – so so I, I interpret what you just said is – should I pick a neighborhood and mail every house in the neighborhood? And the answer is no. What if they don't have equity? 
So you're mailing somebody that just moved into the house a year ago that doesn't have any equity that can never sell to you? That doesn't make any sense at all to me. Now, if you're saying, should I pick an area, then put my filters on, make sure they have equity, make sure they've lived in the house long enough, make sure it's the type of house I like, make sure the house, you know, was built before 1970 and mail that area with those houses, yes. Somebody said, what's your view on high-income neighborhoods? This is a demographic question. Demographics play a very important role in this business. Very, very, very. When I explain to a lot of agents how we get off-market deals, agents that have never done it before, a lot of them will say back to me, well, that's just dumb. Like somebody could just list their house and get top dollar. And that is a very um, think only of the way I think mentality. And that's not how marketing works. It's not how marketing works at all. It's not how life works. Um, you guys can see, right? Like I'm dressed pretty casual. I'm a, I'm a casual guy. I grew up in the city. Um, I'm not very fancy. Um, sometimes people tell me I should dress fancier. I should, um, you know, probably spend more money on my clothes, but it's not me and I, and I'm not going to do it. I have the money I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. Um, it's not something I view as something I want to do. So, but there are people who spend thousands of dollars on one outfit and they look really, really good, like way better than me. And I might think in my head, if I look at it from the same perspective, I might look at that and be like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, why would anybody ever spend a thousand dollars on one outfit? That's just a waste of money. But then the person who spends a thousand dollars on one outfit, they look at me and they go, Tom, you're a successful guy that gives off the impression that you're just like you rolled out of bed and they're probably right. I say this because the person that sells me these hoodies and these hats and these, you know, agent investor t-shirts, right? You know, fine stuff, but it's not expensive clothing. Um, both companies make a lot of money. Um, there's demographics that fit both types of things. So the question, you know, originally was, um, you know, like, what's my view on high income neighborhoods and certain demographics don't sell discounted. So if you're, if you're a high income person and you value money, money is the most important thing to you, or it's up there for the most important things to you. You're not of the mindset of somebody that's going to sell at a discount because you value money too much. Just like somebody who wears a thousand dollar outfit, they value how they look, right? That is the wrong person. Um, the person that sells to an investor, it's not that they don't care about money. It's just that they value the ease of a sale more than the money, right? They, they, they may, they may say something like, I know I can get more money for this house, but money's not my most important thing right now. Like I'm getting older. I, I just want to downsize. I want a simple thing. I don't want people in my house 
I don't want to get my house ready for sale. I don't want the uncertainty of having buyers back out. I don't want the uncertainty of, you know, the mortgage rates have just gone crazy. Like I just get me a guarantee. Yeah. It's a little bit below fair market value, but like, I'm good. Just, just make sure it's a guarantee. So when you get into a demographic situation, like a higher income neighborhood, you start to get more of the mindset of like, get every last dollar. Money's important. Money's, I don't want to say the most important thing, but money is important enough to not give up equity. So if you're talking about like marketing to higher income neighborhoods, your success rate is going to go a lot more down and vice versa. And that's just how this particular type of marketing works. All right. So continuing on, expect your results. If you're going to mail, in my opinion, you have to have a year long plan. You got to say, hey, I'm going to spend four, five, six, seven grand a month for a year. And I'm putting that money aside right now. If I'm going to spend seven grand a month, I'm going to put $84,000 into a bank account right now that I'm not going to touch. And I'm going to spend it, even if it goes to zero. And is there a risk there that you could go to zero? Yes, there is. And this is the part about mailing that becomes a negative. I love mailing. I think it's a great method. It's always worked for me. I advocate it. I've trained many people on how to do it. Is it a guarantee? No. Nope. If you're not willing to take that risk, should you do it? No. You should do the free methods. Today's not about free methods, but there are free methods out there. But you have to make a decision. Like, do you want to market for free or do you want to do paid marketing? There are no guarantees attached to paid marketing. I had somebody I was on a call the other day, inner circle candidate, and they literally said to me, they're like, well, like all you marketers, you want to just take the money and not put any guarantees to them. I said, first of all, I'm not taking your money. I, I'm not a mail company. I have nothing to do with that. Second of all, like there are no guarantees to anything in life, let alone marketing. But I do know over a large number, the results become more consistent. And that's why, like, if you spend $1,000 a month, I'd say don't do it. Because even though you should get a deal every 15 to 18 months if you spend 1000 a month, the results are going to be too inconsistent that you're going to end up quitting. Um, so is mailing right for you? Well, I think it goes without saying that I've said numerous times that You've got to have the marketing budget in order to mail. You have to. Um, you have to understand the results that you could get. You have to be willing to be disciplined. You have to be willing to put the money aside. Um, you need to get educated. David Choi, I just had an hour meeting about right about now how I'm about to shut down my campaign. I used Investor Machine for seven months, 10K a month, no deals. Any advice? That definitely becomes a bigger conversation. I would want to know out of the seven, so you spent, and this is great. I'm glad that you shared that, David, because I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to sit here and say that ma mailing is definitely going to work for everybody. I really don't. Um, and, and I think that what David just kind of mentioned is, is almost like if you flip a coin 
10 times. You could land on tails like seven times in a row and never think heads is going to pop up. And I don't want to knock because you spent 70K. That's a lot of damn money. Um, and that's a pretty good sample size. That's a pretty good sample size. So I would question some other things about what you did. But I would also say to it that some of this stuff does come down to luck of the draw. So, David, I would, I would want to know who you mailed. I want to know the filters that you put on. I would want to know how often you mail them. I would want to know how many calls you got. I would want to know how many appointments you got. And if I knew all those stats, I could then determine whether or not the mailing is the issue. So let me just say this. You spent 70K on mailing. Did you get 70 appointments? Because that would be my expectation. Because we don't know, based on what you just told me, you spent 70K, you got no deals. Was it a sales problem? Was it an operations problem? Or was it a mailing problem? Or was it just flat out you had the worst luck in the world? So I need to know those stats. Um, and I love to know those stats. And I know I'm familiar with Investor Machine. Um, I understand how they, they run their lists. Um, I don't run mine exactly the same, but I'd be curious on some of those questions. But thank you for chiming in and really kind of bringing to the forefront that none of this stuff is a guarantee. Um, David, how many calls and how many? Yeah, I want to know. I want to know how many calls you got from those mailers and how many in-person appointments you got. Because if you got 70 in-person appointments, then I would say it's a sales problem. If you got like five in-person appointments, then I would want to know like how many leads came in. Maybe it's an ISA problem. If you got not enough leads, then I would say, okay, who are you mailing? And what could the problems be with the list that you're using? But, you know, David kind of brings up a good segue for me which is like, before you spend money on marketing, I would love to be a part of that conversation uh, for the people that are in the inner circle, especially if you're in the inner circle, please, for the love of God, do not spend money on marketing without consulting me. I, I cannot promise you that I know everything, but I can promise you that if you bring me any sort of plan, whether it's a marketing plan, um, any plan related to investing, I can look at it and I can make some improvements. But with that segue, for those of you who want to be on a small group call with a few, a few of us to talk through more your individual situations on Zoom, please go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. And again, please don't book anything until Wednesday the 19th because I won't be able to do it anything Wednesday the 19th or after I'd be excited to get people in a smaller group setting and then we'll talk a little bit about the uh the inner circle all right so any other questions that you guys have about mailing um I will sit here for a couple more minutes just to make sure I answer every question that's coming in um I'm going to check a couple of the chat feeds 
And I guess my last call to action for the day is, guys, if you aren't registered for the Agent Investor two-day November 3rd, November 4th event, please do so today, www.agentinvestorevent.com. It's free. Um, it's going to be really good. I promise you guys that you're going to get value out of it. Um, yeah, there's no other comments. All right. Oh, there is. David, what kind of list do you mail to? All right, David. So what I do, I'll give you guys some some more information on what I do. Uh, first thing is, you know, I buy properties in New England. I buy properties in Mass, New Hampshire, um, Mass, New Hampshire, Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Vermont, um, small part, Albany County in New York, and uh, Duval County, which is Jacksonville in Florida. In every one of those areas, there are areas that we that I talked about earlier that have more financial distress. So somebody said something like earlier today about like you target high income areas. No, I absolutely run as fast as I can from those people because those people are people that don't want to sell to me. Um, I'm looking for my I'm looking for the cities, and there are cities in Boston that I've done deals over and over again. It's literally the 80-20 rule. Like I've marketed to every city in Massachusetts, but where do we do our deals? 20% of the cities give us 80% of the results. And those are the areas that have financial distress. If you are a real estate agent in your market, you know the areas I'm talking about. They're not like secrets. Um, then I, I always do high equity. I eliminate, I say, okay, 50% or more LTV. That gets rid of like 70% of all the records. Then I say, I don't want properties that were built after 1970. Again, that gets rid of a lot of other records. Then I say, I want homes where somebody's lived in them for at least five years. Again, that gets rid of more. Then I say, I want square footage between, I like 700 square feet to 2,800 square feet. I, I kind of like, I, I want to call that starter homes, although like the 2,000 plus is getting a little bit out of that. I do not want the big monster homes um, at all for multiple reasons. So that gives me my list. That's my list. And, and if I start in a town, like I live in Melrose, if I start in Melrose with 10,000 records, I get down to like 2,000 records. Those 2,000 records, I hit them every other month forever. The only way they get off my list is if they call me and they scream at me, which they do. If you mail people, you're going to get yelled at for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, somebody said probate and pre-foreclosure. So you have to understand this. Pre-foreclosure. That means that somebody's behind on their payment. Does that mean that they have equity? Remember, one of my, my most important filters is that somebody has equity. So if they're behind on their mortgage, by default, do they have enough equity? The answer is we don't know. They may have enough equity. They may not. Um, same thing with probate. Um, probate is great. You know, they've got a, a very clear motivating reason why they probably are going to sell their house. But again, do they have equity? Is it in the right area? So I take a different approach. 
I look so so to be clear, I have a big marketing budget, but this is what I do. Okay, so so I'm talking me, not necessarily you, which is again, guys, why like I really implore everybody to get into the inner circle. Like you should be in the inner circle if you're not. The reason you should be in the inner circle is because I can tell you what I do. Does that make sense for you? I don't know. We have to talk. We have to figure out whether it does. But let's just take the town I live in, the Melrose town. And again, I say we we have 10,000 records. I put filter after filter after filter. I get down to 2,000 records. If somebody gets behind on their mortgage, I'm still going to be mailing them. In fact, I've probably mailed them before anybody has mailed them. So I don't wait for it to get to a specific list, right? Like if somebody's behind on their mortgage or maybe about to get behind on their mortgage, they've already gotten letters from me for 10 years. If somebody, I mean, everybody's about to die, right? Like we're all X amount of years away from dying, but some of us are a little bit closer. They've been getting my letters for years after years after years. So I don't use those specific lists because then I would say, give me a, give me a, pre-foreclosure list. Okay, I got it. Is it in the town I want? Um, maybe not. Does it have equity? Um, maybe not. You know, so so I I I I take the opposite approach where I make my database, I don't buy lists like that. But again, could it make sense for you for some reason? It definitely probably could. Like if you're trying to go after short sales, you should definitely be doing pre-foreclosure lists. But that's, again, stuff that, you know, we can talk about on that inner circle call, um, www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. All right. So I don't see anything else coming in. Um, Again, I truly, truly apologize for not having the typical energy that I do. Um, I am definitely not feeling good. Um, But you know, I love this stuff and I don't take days off when I'm feeling bad. I just, uh, I come to work and I apologize and say, Hey, um, I'm not going to be a 10 out of 10 today. I'm going to be, be like an eight out of 10 today. Um, what one last thing though, do me a favor, type into the chat box. I've still got a good audience right now. What do you guys want next week's live stream to be about? Please put a topic. If you're still on the live stream, be selfish and put a topic into the live in, into the chat box now because I always struggle with this. I always struggle with what we should be talking about. And sometimes I almost feel like I'm forced to kind of select, but I don't want myself to force a select. I want to be able to give you guys the sessions that you guys want. Um, so please do me a favor. This is the, the one last, you know, pleading I'll do with everybody on the call. Type into the chat box right now with just if you're gonna pick a topic selfishly, forget about everybody else here. Um what would you want next week to be about? Somebody said digital marketing SEO. What else do we got? Come on guys, help me out here. I know you're I know most of you guys are are still Active. I don't see really almost anybody dropping off, which I appreciate. Other lead gen strategies, Facebook ads, a lot of lead gen stuff. Anything besides lead? I, I love lead gen. Uh, low cost marketing. Yeah, we 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 could we could do that for a while. Um, text mar- marketing. 
financial freedom blueprint in order ordered steroid all right we can we can put we can put the blueprint on steroids we don't get tested scripts to speak with motivated sellers how to handle initial call from your marketing okay that's a good one main question to ask homeowner over the phone yeah we get it like would anybody else be interested in like the script talking piece of it because we have a few script things that came in to talk to sellers um i'm kind of liking the idea of that um can i get some feedback on whether or not that would be something that you guys would find valuable because um that's something i haven't covered at all and it definitely matters because you know like something that david had put earlier in here he spent a bunch of money on mailing and didn't get a deal and that's the first thing i think of in my mind is like well yeah and this is what makes it tough it's not necessarily always about spending the money but then you've got to have the right conversations with the sellers all right cool i think i might go down that direction because they got a bunch of yeses so maybe next week let me just think about like how to structure that but maybe next week we'll do something um about specifically the scripts on talking to sellers because it is different than going in on a listing appointment. It's much different. You can't take the same approach. Um, let's, let's do that. And um, again, I appreciate you guys bearing, bearing with me today. And um, if we come up with anything else, if you guys have any other ideas related to scripting, I'd love to hear them. And I'll, I'll put a post actually after I get off right now in the group, just asking like what type of scripting you guys would want help with. So, all right, I will see everybody next Tuesday and hopefully you guys have, have signed up for that smaller group session on the inner circle. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thanks again for listening to the agent investor podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.